Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And the title of the book is The No-Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss and this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea, which is lack of a cycle, the pill is beneficial what type of pill is more beneficial does it does it impact your sex drive we talk about perimenopause and menopause and we talk about thyroid and there's many other topics that we talk about so it's fairly in-depth it's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through and it's fairly in-depth a lot of research a lot of effort's been put into it so i'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on instagram at shane walsh fitness or if you want to want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there it will be available on amazon from the 3rd of december as well which i'm super super excited for so i hope you guys enjoy the episode hope you guys enjoy the book any questions on the book let me know but i'm super super excited and hope you guys get a copy hey guys so welcome to the next episode of the shane walsh podcast so today is a very special episode so one of my very very good pals mary joe mcguire is on the podcast so mary joe is mj.nutrition underscore on instagram and if you may recognize her from having me having appeared on the female health podcast which is her amazing podcast promoting everything about female health she has shavona hagan brian Keane, and she's had natalie lennon on some of the guests that i've had on as well and MJ is a nutritionist, but she also specializes in periods, PCOS, PMS, hormones, and kind of a better relationship with food and yourself. She has an amazing ability to understand what PCOS is about female health because she has PCOS herself. And she openly talks about her struggles with it. She op- She's very, very brave and honest about the whole thing. And today's episode is in particular around PCOS the pill and if there is a type of pill or is there a pill that will be beneficial for PCOS more than any other one what is the true situation with the pill and PCOS and the pill in general and we also talk about the impact of good health and PCOS and where it comes from and how to work our way around that so it's quite in depth there's quite a a good bit to it um but Mary Jo is a good pal of mine and she has a an amazing masterclass if you're if someone if one of you has PCOS listen to this and you think that may be beneficial she has a masterclass starting on the 30th of September 2021 and it is PCOS made simple that is the title it's incredible um she will may give a recording so click on her link in her bio put in the link into the show notes as well so you guys can listen to that so hopefully you guys enjoy the episode with mary joe mcguire mary joe how are we i'm really well thanks jane how are you i'm good so guys you may remember mary joe uh from one of the previous episodes that i was on on mary's po- uh, mary joe's podcast so mary joe, i'm gonna let you take it away from here and give us a brief intro on what you do um your masterclass coming up and how you kind of got involved in this whole side of things yeah well thanks again um for having me on shane delighted to be here um yeah so 
I am nutritionist. Uh, MJ Nutrition is my business name, Instagram name. Um, I mainly work with clients, uh, females at the moment who have struggling with either their hormones, PCOS, HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea, um, like PMS, things like that. And then I do work with uh, digestive issues too and a bit of weight loss, but mainly the main concerns are hormonal issues. Um, as you say, um, you were on my podcast. I also have the podcast, Female Health Podcast, and it really focuses on female health issues. Um, and then, as you said as well, I have my masterclass coming up um, at the end of September, uh, 30th of September. It is um, PCOS Made Simple. So five things you need to know to help manage your PCOS. So great for anyone who is just in either got a diagnosis or has it for a while and is just really struggling to kind of get on top of it or feels really overwhelmed which I find and you probably find yourself a lot of women with PCOS do feel really overwhelmed when they first get a diagnosis or even after having it for a while it's, it's just so much information out there so it's just um, I like to try and make it as simple as possible Um, I guess for myself I have PCOS so I have that like understanding of it from having it and uh, so it's a personal aspect and then I also studied a master's in nutrition which focused um on female health so I really um have a good enough understanding I feel around this topic uh, and I'm really passionate about it as well because I have seen so many women come to me with it who have just felt lost and struggled with it for so long have just kind of been pushed to the side a wee bit by maybe the medical system in Ireland and in the UK you know it's just not really um looked after I suppose in the most optimal way it's probably the nicest way of saying it um really and um it does come down to I feel a lot of like like ourselves are really kind of picking up the pieces for a lot of the stuff that's been mishandled maybe I don't want to say the wrong words here but you know what I'm trying to say here and yeah. um, like we are like we have to do a lot of picking up the pieces you know years of being on the pill to like regulate a cycle you know and we will I know we'll talk about this but um you know this is a huge passion of mine to kind of educate women there's so much that you can do for your hormones for PCOS um that isn't related to the pill there's like diet and lifestyle interventions that make a massive massive difference and you can regulate your cycle this way rather than thinking you need to be on medication for the rest of your life or that you don't have options when it comes to children other than um fertility treatments when there is other ways you can do things and um, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with fertility treatments but it's just it's good to know that you can look after things through diet and lifestyle firstly anyway and definitely it's a really good route to go down before going down the medication route. I mean, that is important to say, like there are other, try other avenues first before going down like the IVF or the, yeah. the medication route. And ultimately it may mean that you need to go IVF, but it doesn't mean yeah. it's the end of the world either. It's still possible and it may give you the, the present that you want at the end of the day. So it's just changing the goalposts a little bit. Do you feel from getting your own diagnosis yourself, um, and you can be as open and blunt as you want on this one, um, that it's kind of helped you understand your clients that a little bit better. And how have you found the struggles for yourself? And do you find that you're kind of seeing the same struggles on a daily basis with, with, with the clients that you're working with? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I feel like, and I feel like this is the typical trajectory for any young 
girl, particularly with PCOS, it starts off at 16, 17, 18, and you've got these irregular cycles and you go to your doctor and they say, oh, it's normal and don't worry about it. And then you come to 25 and it's still the same. You're getting maybe a period every six months and you're like, there's something wrong with me here. Like, you know, when all your other friends are getting normal periods, when I say normal, like more monthly cycles. Um, And then you go to the GP and then they put you on the pill and you're on that then for years like it could be from the age of 21 up to like say maybe the age you're starting to think like okay I wouldn't mind um getting like starting a family you come off the pill then and it's like 29 and you still haven't got a cycle and you're like what's going on and then they rec- they refer you to your bloods may look normal all like that and all this kind of thing and I don't know why you're not getting a period and um, and you know in your gut there's something wrong and I knew in my gut there was something like not right but like I was being told to go on the pill and like I had an understanding of nutrition to some degree that it would have a role but I didn't I hadn't done my master's at this point when I was around 24 25 and I didn't understand the impact that it, I could have on my health through nutrition and lifestyle interventions um, and I, but I remember saying to a GP can I I really want to look after this naturally I said you know and she goes oh it's not possible this is the only option you have is the pill so I felt so like disheartened and lost and plus like pissed off to be honest like it was just like a crap situation and because I just I didn't like the pill I just and you know I had it in like I think my mom didn't like me taking it so I think it came from that and then I just didn't like taking the synthetic hormone every single month and I didn't even realize then that it wasn't even a real period it took me like I didn't even realize then um, and I just didn't like it but yeah like it I have seen that then I think like pretty much the same situation that I had experienced with my GP and being put on the pill and, you know, being, I suppose, slightly gaslit, you know what I mean? That like, you know, no, like this is the only option you have. Like, it's not that big a deal, you know, take this, you'll regulate your cycles. Don't worry about it kind of thing. Don't worry about it until you need to like maybe get pregnant and you want to start a family. Then you can look at like other options. And that's like something I see with I'm going to say nearly 80 to 90% of my PCOS clients have had the same situation same story that they've gone to their their GPs and felt like that and uh, this isn't I always have to say this it isn't a knock at GPs it's just the way their system is is approaches um PCOS is that it's more like what can we do to fix it right now but it's not fixing it it's not a treatment for PCOS um so yeah it definitely does I feel make me more empathetic towards them and I see their daily struggles whether that is the difficulty losing weight and the frustration of like not knowing when you're going to get a period it's so frustrating and then there's anxiety that can comes comes with that as well and just like wondering am I ever going to get it will I be able to get pregnant or am I pregnant you know you're literally like your head is always like what's going on like so it's um yeah it's quite stressful so I totally empathize with my clients because of that Um, and I do think it gives me a little bit of a I don't know what the word is like a, a good it puts me in a good position to help them I guess because I've come from it as well I've experienced it pretty much all of it as well like what they've gone through when it comes to PCOS and I've had a lot of the crap symptoms like I've had the acne I've had the weight gain the difficulty losing weight um I've had uh, the irregular cycles and all of that so I, I don't I totally understand you can feel so defeated when you're that's you feel that your only options are like this contraceptive pill um but I could just want to say that I, I have managed my PCOS completely now through nutrition, lifestyle and supplements. And I've helped a lot of clients with that. I know you have too. So there is so many options out there for you to help you with your PCOS. 
if someone was if you were to look at yourself and having that chat with the doctor again knowing what you would know what advice would you give yourself back then in relation to the pill and if the pill was the only option which it rarely is yeah is there one that is better than other ones in relation to managing pcos or helping pcos uh, okay so the first part like of that is like what would I do differently if I knew what I know now I wouldn't yeah. go on the pill 100% wouldn't go on it okay. um, I would just just research it and find someone who knows what they're talking about find someone like you like me or someone who's worked in this field and has helped people with PCOS manage it through nutrition and lifestyle and supplements that would be what I would do differently because you're just kicking the can further down the road with the PCOS yes it does manage the symptoms it reduces the androgens and it suppresses ovulation the irony, uh, the irony of PCOS is we have difficulty ovulating and then we take the pill which suppresses it completely so it doesn't really make any sense really um, I know the reason why GPs put us on the pill is because the uterine lining can build up and it is to prevent the risk of uterine cancer. So it's not like this, like there's no badness. It's for our, it is for our health reasons. They have a goodness reason behind it and it's what they think is the best. But the reason our uterine lining isn't shedding is because we're not getting a period. We need to get a period for that to shed every month. And the reason we're not getting a period is because we're not ovulating. My approach would be to try and actually ovulate so it sheds naturally and we make our hormone progesterone, which makes it shed naturally instead of like taking a synthetic hormone, which will break down the uterine lining. Yes, but we don't ovulate and we don't make those amazing hormones, estradiol and progesterone. And like they are so, so they're more than just a period. They're more than just fertility. They're for our bone health, their cardiovascular health, our skin, our hair, massively related to our mood, like depression and anxiety are hugely linked with um, low hormones like progesterone and estrogen. And like we have so many receptors of progesterone in our brain. So it's not just to do with our hormonal health. There's so much more to these hormones than just getting a period every month. And that's something, again, that can be neglected and not looked at. Um, with regards to your question then on the pill, which one? I'll just to be frank, there's not one I would recommend over any because they all do the same thing. They all suppress ovulation. Um, and I mean, like if you're looking to treat PCOS and you're being told it's going to treat PCOS and it's going to regulate your period, you're being told something that's really incorrect. It's not regulating a period. It, you're getting a withdrawal bleed from the hormones in the pill. That's what's happening. Um, it's suppressing ovulation. But um, a natural period occurs when you ovulate the egg is released from the ovary you make progesterone and progesterone then causes uterine lining to shed the period bleed is when you come off the pill for the week if you do do that now not everyone does that because you don't have to and um, if you do that it will shed because you've come off the, the the drugs that are in the pill and it's just a withdrawal bleed now don't get me wrong I do understand there are times when a girl or woman might need to go on the pill and um, particularly obviously for contraception I and mean, this is nothing to do with contraception by the way this is only in relation to PCOS it's an amazing contraception and so absolutely for, the, for that reason it's 100% okay to take it but also if you're a, a teenage girl for example who is really struggling with confidence because they've got severe acne uh, due to maybe PCOS and high androgens 
it's understandable why you would go on the pill in that regard because it does help lower those androgens and can clear up the skin and make that your life a bit easier maybe in school or in 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 college and that transition of life and all of that so I do understand that but the problem is and the problem I have with it it's still going to come back when you come off the pill it is a temporary management of those symptoms but it will come back again when you come off the pill so that's why I just really would like to get to the bottom of it like as early as you can so you're not kicking the can further down the line into your 20s and possibly 30s then again and what about the pill and causing insulin resistance or ior to be the uh, technical person yeah um, yeah there is um like there is some studies or evidence to say that it can cause insulin resistance and um, again it can elevate your androgens when you come off the pill which again in turn can impact a difficulty ovulation which can again rise your insulin levels and um, you may have a genetic predisposition to insulin resistance also and uh, the, the gut the pill also impacts your gut uh microflora or your microbiome and then imbalances in gut bacteria could also give rise to inflammation and insulin resistance there's a there's a different different mechanisms behind how the pill may potentially lead to insulin resistance this isn't to fear everyone that you're going to get insulin resistance when you come off the pill but it can happen and um, but also don't despair it can be reversed you can manage this uh, insulin resistance through nutrition and lifestyle you can help to manage it I guess would be the word I would use if, if that does occur after the pill and like you know people who do go on the pill who don't have PCOS can still have issues um getting a period after the pill like post-pill PCOS is quite common it can be six months or more for some women to get a period after the pill as well. You've mentioned the one of the types of PCOS or two of the types of PCOS so you mentioned, yeah. mentioned insulin resistance you've mentioned post-pill PCOS what are kind of the, the other main types and kind of like what are the kind of little interventions that can be made nutritionally or yeah. otherwise in relation to the other ones? I guess I would have to still talk about insulin resistance because yeah. it is the most common one. 70 to 80% of women have insulin resistance type PCOS and you don't need to be overweight to have insulin resistance either. Um, so this type is basically, it can be driven by various factors again stress lack of sleep gut um poor gut health low magnesium levels a genetic predisposition can drive you to have maybe insulin resistance so basically it is when we've got high levels of insulin and blood sugars in our, our high levels of insulin and sugars in our blood um, and this then drives further inflammation it drives further androgen production impedes ovulation um, our cells are supposed to pick up um sugar through insulin so like insulin is like the transporter of sugar into cells but the cells are not responding to the insulin so like insulin is like tapping on the door of the cells to let sugar in but the cells are not opening up and letting the sugar in eventually they do let them in but like during this time or waiting period you're building up insulin levels in the blood and you're building up sugar levels in the blood and this is causing the uh, symptoms like the elevated testosterone then and the um elevated cortisol levels in the 
difficulty then to ovulate because insulin impedes ovulation and all of this then drives the acne drives excess hair growth irregular periods the weight gain so like if you're having excess sugar floating around the bloodstream it has to go somewhere that's not going into the cells it's either going to be stored as glycogen or it's going to be stored as fat perhaps later on so that can drive weight gain as well and that's why insulin resistance is the biggest driver of weight gain in pcos so it really for that for to manage this type of PCOS everyone thinks like low carb and I can understand the reason why they think that because carbs drive more insulin to be secreted however the problem is not the carbs itself the problem is that the cells aren't responding to the carbs or the insulin so we want to get the cells a bit more sensitive so before we even look at diet if we look at how we're training, a lot of people think they need to do like cardio training um, and they bust in a cardio training to lose fat. Unfortunately, that in this type of situation, that is not really that effective. And you know this yourself, they'd be better off doing more um, resistant type training. And the reason for that is it builds up more muscle mass and your muscle mass then become more sensitive. The cells then are more sensitive to insulin in muscles, uh, in, in your muscles than they are in fat cells. Um, and this will then cause you to to take up more sugar, even when you're not even working out. So like if you are do a workout, say on a Monday, a few days later, you will still be um, burning calories, but also picking up those um, sugars set into your cells uh, in the muscle. So it's 100% one of the most effective ways of improving uh, insulin resistance. You want to basically make your cells more sensitive to insulin and by doing resistance training, that will help with that. Then looking at your diet, um, like obviously the types of carbs that you eat are, are important you don't want to be loading your body with carbs but the i it's the way you're eating is more important it's carbs and proteins combined and that will lead to a more balanced blood sugar level and you're not getting a huge crash in sugars being thrown into the bloodstream um, and you're also not just getting protein on its own so you need the two together this causes a much more stabilizing effect on the blood um, it's more favorable it leads to a more satiated nourished body and also then you're not needing a huge amount of insulin to take in the sugars into the cells uh, so it's a much more favorable favorable way to um to eat when you've got uh, insulin resistant PCOS and I would actually say that across the board protein and carbs is the most favorable combination like you should be combining your meals that way and um, for any type of PCOS um, and then supplementation is really important for that type inositol is the most effective um, supplement I believe for um, insulin resistant PCOS because again it supports ovarian function but it also acts like an insulin messenger it helps brings the sugar into the cells so you're not having as much sugar and insulin floating around the bloodstream as well so yeah that would be my three main tips if you wanted to summarize them um, for insulin resistant PCOS um, the type of exercise you're doing is important eating protein and carbs in combination and um the inositol inositol supplementation so two to four grams per day that would be that one is that two to four grams of d-chiro and myo or is it separate um I, I i only take myo and recommend myo at the moment the two together can help uh, be just as beneficial but i've seen really good results with just myo on its own um, so like I, I think it's cheaper like the myo one from like say bulk or my protein uh, i do know you can get the two together like the avocetol as a product but it's a little bit more expensive and i don't know if it's that necessary when you can get 
quite good results with the minositol itself. I don't know, have you found that or would you do recommend? Uh, I'm the only reason it's kind of in my head because I was looking at research for the book and stuff when I was researching yeah. stuff on D Cairo and yeah. One of the papers that I kind of came across was actually written by Alan Flanagan, who's been on um, for a linear nutrition. And he was talking about mixing the two uh, has can have better effects than just kind of going for one due to the ovulation side of things. Yes. So I think there's more research needed, obviously, because there's no there's never any definitives in nutrition. I think that's what people need to realize yeah. as well. Yeah. It's this information. PCOS is such a new topic, such a new thing that people are only climatizing themselves. And like it's it's always going to be. But as uh, Mary Jo has kind of been open and honest there, it's like she's found great benefits of kind of just using Mayo. And if that's the case, that could work for her. That could work for other people as well. So I'm probably more inclined to kind of go with what way people are feeling, even if it is a placebo effect for some people. It's yeah. probably. I, I have read as well, like you said, the higher is more on the auditory side of things, yeah. whereas the myo might be more on the insulin sensitivity yeah. side of things. And uh, so the combo could be good. Um, but I feel like if you're improving insulin sensitivity, you're also going to be improving ovulation yeah. eventually. So, um, but Again, more so the reason I don't, I, I, I feel like a lot of supplements are so expensive and there's so many supplements to get and I don't want to be getting clients to be taking really no. expensive when the, I have seen good results with the Mayo. So for that reason alone is kind of why I choose that. But um, again, if someone wanted to take the the two together, I'd have no issues with that. Absolutely not. Yeah, and I recommend Mayo to to my clients. So yeah. that's that's where my stance is on it as well. It was just that kind of new information that kind of even in, only came in last week into yeah. To my inbox so that's just kind of yeah. something that was fresh in my head you mentioned there about kind of carbohydrates um yeah. and insulin and generally when people are coming from a not amazing background with food yeah they think that the insulin fairies are going to rob their children and yeah. make them gain weight <laughs> yeah like i think poor relationship with food and pcos are massively linked yeah. together there's so many fear foods. I can't have this kind of sugar, can't have fruits, can't have bread, pasta, pizza, like all those foods. And to be honest, I like those foods should be included in everyone's diet in a moderation, not just if you've got PCOS. Like we can all enjoy those on a, on a when we want to. But like, I don't think just because you have PCOS, you need to fear them more than anybody else. Do you know what I mean? Um, that, that'd be my approach with it like because it makes you feel then like you're kind of puts a stigma on you there's something wrong with you and it makes you it just it's just um yeah it's, it segregates you from maybe if you're going out with people like and you feel you can't have pizza when everyone else is getting one it just puts you in a, a not nice position I find so you can I I would be recommending uh with all my clients that I do to enjoy the foods that they do enjoy but I do really focus on an 80 20 approach I guess like without even saying it that much but like just saying like and it kind of becomes a natural um it becomes natural with my clients like from the outset like they work with me say for a period of months by the end of it they're like they're naturally leaning towards more nutrient uh, favorable foods or more optimal nutrition foods for their their health uh, because they actually want to they know how to do it now they know what they what their body needs and they also are able to enjoy enjoy say a chinese on a thursday and not feel guilty about it and know that it's not going to like massively mess up their week or their progress or cause them to like 
have insulin uh, overload and no ovulation for that month because that isn't the truth don't let perfection get in the way of better really like really like that's what I would be saying to them like just like focus on what you can do most of the time and then enjoy the other things as well so like really I don't have anything off limits uh, for any I think that's the I I don't think that's the best way to approach and it's always like when you're talking to your clients that are potentially new ones that come on they're kind of like so you're telling me i can have chocolate every single day what's the yeah. trick i'm like that is the trick yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that no, is the trick you go yeah like if there if anything is off limits just it's just a natural thing you're gonna like an animalistic instinct is gonna kick in it's gonna be you're like human chocolate like <laughs> you're human it's like as soon as you get a little bit emotional or something happens you're kind of like you're gonna want that food so yeah, try and have the chocolate like, every day or like, so true like I think a lot of people feel so guilty and they blame themselves and there's like they think oh I'm not strong enough or there's something wrong with me I binge this weekend and there's a huge blame game play and shame built up then and it's yeah. it's just um just an education on it is so important I feel in that situation and just change that mindset it's really great to see when it eventually kind of slips into place but um yeah it's sad to see at the start when they're blaming themselves so much you're like no you did nothing wrong here it's the fact that maybe you did low carb all week and now like you're like starving that's maybe why you're uh, binging on uh, cake and chocolate or whatever it is you go for like <laughs> yeah I think and I think that is it like if you if you do restrict you are going to end up probably very unhappy and yeah. your results will probably be slower from studies and stuff have shown that's why most people fail dots yeah. it's because they restrict and then they introduce the food back in and they're back up to a surplus or whatever yeah. maybe um you've mentioned the word protein um is there a certain range of protein that people should be aiming for and this follow-up question is that is you mentioned kind of good health. I know which is one of the topics that we're going to talk about in a sec. But as it's harder to digest, what can you do to kind of manage the fact that it's a little bit harder to digest? What what alternatives or what little little tricks and or snacks have you got to kind of work around that? Um, so with protein and PCOS, again, depending on your type, this would be individualized, and that's why you need to work with someone and not just be picking random numbers but I'd kind of be going between 1.4 possibly like I think for women it's very difficult for them to get up to 2.2 it's It's not something for a man yeah like it's just very high I'd be going between a range if I was getting clients between 1.4 1.8 grams per kg I'd be really happy with that like I'd be really happy if they were getting that and so I recommend protein to be included with every single meal and snack um, that a client is having But the issue with digestion is when they eat that in isolation and they don't include fiber or carbohydrates with it. And the reason why they're having difficulties with digestion is probably because they've gone low carb for so long. And the gut thrives in carbohydrates. That's where they feed their bacteria on is is carbs and the the sugars that are in the carbohydrates, basically. So we really need carbs for the gut. So I would say, again, it comes down to that protein-carb balance to have that together, and that can really just help with digestion. Like, I do think if you're someone who's come from a really low-carb background, say, for example, you're keto or low-carb for a very long time, your metabolism is, is going to be not respond to carbs the same way as someone who's eaten carbs all their lives. So I do think you need to reintroduce them on a slower basis. Like, it might, if you start whacking in bread and pasta, you will gain weight quite quickly. And that is a bit of the reality of it, I guess. So reintroducing on a slower basis for someone who's at that stage, you know, really low carb or keto, uh, which I just wouldn't recommend at all. Um, 
So like reintroducing maybe some easy to digest fruits might be good, like um, tropical fruits they are quite high in sugar, but, you know, you they're really nutritious as well. Like say like a mango. So a little bit, a few slices of a mango with some protein could be a really good option for someone who is just reintroducing carbohydrates, like the likes of your grains, like bread, pasta, they might be for later on when you started to adapt well to your the reintroduction of easier carbs. Uh, root veggies might be the next step up, like your, your carrots, parsnips, sweet potatoes, baby potatoes. Again, like they're really nice and easy to digest if you steam them and um, cook them nicely like that and make sure they're cooked, not hard, because it'd be much harder for you to digest. Um, and again, just a, a little bit of those alongside some protein whatever that is fish or whatever um, chicken meat whatever your options are your 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 favorite is um that and then there's obviously like protein yogurts and things like that and they're really really handy and you can add in then some berries to those berries are quite a low sugar carbohydrate so again quite easy for you to kind of reintroduce if you have come from a low carb place um or even just having an um an apple and a you know, a bit of protein, whatever, um, protein yogurt again, or, um, like I, I love protein yogurts they are just so handy, like, but, so handy. Uh, yeah, like they're just really great for like post-workout or something like some of them have like 15 to 18 grams now of protein in them, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, like just fruit and like some nuts or seeds as well can give you a little bit of protein and uh, things like that as well, but just don't have protein on its own is what I would say, because it's just not there's no fiber there there's no um carbs there for you to support digestion so you will have digestive issues as a result of that um yeah that would be my approach with that like i suppose if you're coming from a place of poor digestive health and um, there is like i recommend maybe starting with um warm water and ginger in the mornings ginger is great for improving circulation and it helps with a bit of digestion as well so like slicing up some fresh ginger into warm water and that could just kind of help with um firing up the the insides basically so it makes it maybe a little bit easier for your your tummy to kind of digest what it's going to eat next uh, so that's just a little tip but it's not like you know backed up scientifically or anything do you know what I mean so like and I'm not a quack for saying it either but I like I do it with all my clients and it's just a nice way like there's nothing wrong with adding like just real food like it's not going to cause you any harm fresh ginger do you know what I mean so I don't have a problem with saying that when it comes to real food like and and it will um it's it, it's it's going to benefit you in some way you're getting hydration in anyway first thing in the morning I recommend it like in warm water like slightly cool down and it just can fire up your inside so obviously a warmer stomach is going to be easier for your body to digest and a cold kind of stomach after waking up does that make sense do you know what i mean makes yeah. sense uh yeah so I, was, I think there's i think that's a really important point to kind of mix it mix the two of carbohydrates and, and the protein i think it's also important to say when you introduce carbs or any food back in you're probably gain weight i think that was one of the things um because yeah. like carbs are not evil they're not going to kidnap your family foods have no moral compass yeah so yes. carbs are not evil no. um carbs are class uh, if carbs yeah. were in class, ice cream would be shit. Uh, <laughs> um, in relation to trying to conceive, because this is a big thing that's kind of because there's more and more people coming or more and more women coming through with the likes of PCOS and there's nutrition, there's training, there's loads of different things that can be looked at. Where would you kind of, what are kind of the, some of the first steps that you would kind of advise someone who's trying to conceive with PCOS? 
Yeah, this is a really hard one. And I, I work with a few clients on this. But the first thing I would say is make sure they are actually getting support. I've actually seen a lot of clients who are ashamed that they have PCOS and are ashamed that they're going to struggle with their fertility as a result. And it just makes it a much more lonely journey for them. So the first thing I would say is don't be afraid to tell family or your friends or just seek extra support, maybe even if you maybe need some therapy uh, just to kind of help you go through because it's quite an emotional time of your life naturally. So uh, it's definitely good to have that support network behind you. And it's hugely stressful so like that you need to have people rallying behind you to be there for you and then stress like it's a huge factor like and I know earlier you talked about the different types of PCOS and I I didn't actually get to say the the stressed out PCOS or the adrenal kind of PCOS but um stress is a huge driver of PCOS and I see it a a huge amount um you know we're running on empty and then we're raised cortisol raised adrenaline levels and cortisol steals her progesterone and lowers that which is like a really important hormone for fertility and it impacts her thyroid and we need to have a good range of thyroid hormones in order to um, be able to conceive an an optimal range and so stress I can't estimate, underestimate, overestimate this, how important it is to look at this. Like, and so often, you know, and you probably see this yourself, they're like, what food can I take? What supplement will help me? And they're stressed out. You can just tell in their voice, they're on a high. They just want to know now what they can do. And they're just so uptight about it, which I totally understand. Like, I'm not going to say like, it's very understandable that they would be, but one of my main focuses is really like getting them to start enjoying just their life again because I feel like when they're trying to conceive it's all about that they forget to live they forget to live and I I really encourage like date nights and fun nights with friends and getting out and doing things with family and doing something for yourself having things that you enjoy doing look forward to doing that get you out of your head not be reading up on books constantly on fertility and pregnancy and PCOS because it gets over consuming and overwhelming and you're like what can I do here what and it's just you don't need to do that much. You just need to tell your body that you're actually safe and that you're okay and that it can start to ovulate again. The problem is you're not ovulating. There's a reason you're not ovulating. It comes down to your body is just not in a safe place right now. We need to signal to the body that it's safe and that it's okay. And the first thing to do there is look after your stress levels. It is the most hardest intervention though, because it's not about taking something or like doing something. It's actually about doing nothing and like stopping. That's the hardest part. It's so hard. And like when I see clients so like making those changes I'm so proud of them because it's genuinely like it's harder than any other thing intervention to get them to do or or lifestyle change to do um but yeah like I just encourage that massively to bring down those stress levels and because stress just drives all those hormones that you don't want more of It, it impedes your thyroid function it impedes ovulation it signals that you're not in a safe place so that would be the first thing I would say then why are you not ovulating as well like I suppose if you've got PCOS anyway what is your root PCOS cause is it insulin resistance managing it from that approach like with a few things I've said already um is it adrenal PCOS, inflammatory PCOS or post-pill? Like all of these factors need to be considered and like managed, managing those from that that approach. Um, but again, it really comes down to like 
your basics of like, are you like lowering stress and uh, doing the right type of exercise for your type? So if you've got stressed out PCOS and you're up at the crack of dawn doing a hit workout and drinking a cup of coffee before you do it, then going for a walk before you've even, even ate a bit of food, like that is the worst thing that you can do for your, your, your situation and helping you to conceive because you're just literally in fire fight mode first thing in the morning. And like, you're like that then for the rest of the day, you're running on cortisol. Like it's just, it's, so it's really important that we're identifying the type of PCOS that you have and like managing it right then. So what way to manage your blood sugars, what exercise to do, and then what supplements to take. But it's really important that you're getting vitamin D supplementation in, uh, that you're getting daily sunlight, uh, you're getting antioxidants like A, C and E. They're hugely important for uh, trying to conceive. Um, and you're getting selenium, iron, um, they're also really important micronutrients um, and antioxidants to be getting into the diet. Uh, like vitamin E is a, a vitamin that's um, really, uh, you don't get much of it because it's quite hard to get in food. Uh, so it may be something, and I have done like, I don't know if you found it, but I have come across more research in this that it's actually really helpful for PCOS. It acts like the hormone progesterone. It really it kind of makes more um, progesterone. Uh, it's an antioxidant. So it reduces those free radicals. So if you've got more of those, like for anyone listening, free radicals are like, we don't want too much of them in the body. We get them from like yeah. pollution, from smoking. They're just in the air basically, but we form them in the body and antioxidants reduce them, which is what we want. But like vitamin E is a really important one for that. And um, it's it's one of those that I, I kind of started to look into for my clients uh, recently and have actually seen good results for myself with it. But again, I'm not, I don't recommend this now to everyone who's yeah, listening, go get vitamin E types. because it's also a fat soluble vitamin and it's stored in the body so if we already have enough it can cause toxic effects so this is to say don't go out and get vitamin e uh, without the advice of someone that's what i'm just going to say um yeah and and i think that is an important thing as well and i think every single girl is going to be completely different but i think the bit that struck me than what you said there is being not taking as much information as you possibly are because it's so easy to get sucked into it even mm-hmm. I don't have PCOS and it's so easy for me to get sucked into <laughs> learning, 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 but then you're not actually applying most of it. You're kind of like, you're getting an opinion from here. You're yeah. getting an opinion from there and you're actually applying none of it. When the simple thing to do is kind of say, well, hang on, I'm just going to have a date night. I'm going to have a chill out and I'm going to meet up with yeah. mates. I'm going to chill out. Yeah. And it's funny when clients start to do that, which yeah. is what they've been probably advised to do at the very beginning, mm-hmm. but then they go and do everything else yeah. and become like a hurricane. Yeah, and then once they realize that that didn't work then they go back to the initial thing it's like yeah you probably could have saved yourself about yeah a bit of time. but it's it's hard some i know it is because i've had clients as well and they've de-stressing and i know i'm not amazing at de-stressing as we were talking off air this yeah. book is killing me um genuinely killing me um so i know i think i think what you said there about the kind of the vitamins and stuff but it is important to realize that it's not the same. It, there's no definitives in nutrition. There's no definitive advice for every single person. It's important no. to link in with who you're working with, someone who actually knows what they're talking about um, as well. What about yeah. fertility treatment as well? Yeah, like I suppose if someone is going down the line of fertility treatment, there's still like it's really important just to look after your yourself again, look after yeah. your stress levels to have an optimum um 
vessel basically for you your body is a vessel to hold this baby and to have the the egg of optimal quality and all of that like and to go down that line and again like it's not something I'm hugely knowledgeable on it's the different types of fertility treatment but I'm just knowledgeable on supporting the body to be in its best position to um to carry that and to be doing the best health that you can be. And Ozotol is still really uh, beneficial at, at this Possibly. stage. Yeah, really, really beneficial. Um, as is just, uh, again, as I said, vitamin D, sunlight exposure is great. And uh, I don't even mean sunlight in Ireland, you're not going to get that, but just getting outside is really like, it's just yeah. so beneficial. Um, and then lowering the stress, I just can't emphasize that enough. And also like, and you probably find this yourself. Like I even get overwhelmed on Instagram with the amount of PCOS people I follow and like different, everyone has different, a different they, they, Everyone has a different approach. Everyone yeah. has a different way of saying it, but they also have like contradicting information. Yeah. And like you and I are both in this field. Imagine like, so I would just say to anyone who's yeah. going through this to delete them, like follow maybe a few people that you, you know, you know, that you want to follow, but like, don't be following more than 10 or even five, to be honest Not with even you. like, and uh, I think, because... is there anyone off the top of your head that you would probably recommend to follow for someone with PCOS? Like what, who helps you? I think AOK Nutrition is great. I do. Oh, Ashling's amazing. And Ashling's been on. She's incredible. She's very yeah. no nonsense as well. Which I yeah, like. absolutely. I, I, I feel she is like, I have the same ethos as her. Like, and I've always liked her approach towards it. Um, I'm trying to think of like Irish people, like really. Uh, Lara like, Bryden's very good. Brian Hainesa? No, Lara Bryden. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Brian. Brian's very good too. Brian's been on. <laughs> Brian's very good too. Sorry, Brian. No, what I was actually going to say, anyone with the Fit Clinic is quite good as well. Yeah, I do they, find are. they are great. I worked with the Fit Clinic, as you know, and like they have a really good, everything's evidence-based, but also like um, a no-nonsense approach as well. Like like I do find you can get caught up in the evidence-based. As in, like, it's you hard need, to not get sucked yeah, in. Yeah, you. but like I find like it's like, there, there's a, a people out there like if it's not like completely evidence-based even though like you and I were saying like you know I have seen really good results with just the myonositol they were like no no it has to be this way only Do the you know perfect what I mean? example of that will be CBD yes yeah. that's the perfect example because some people will be for it some people will be against it yeah. but if it works for you go for it yeah yeah and even if it's placebo yeah. or not like same with the ginger water like I know that like yeah but like, like you're not going to get studies done on that but again it's just like because like there's no no one's going to put money into a study on ginger water <laughs> for digestion <laughs> but like that doesn't mean to say it's not going to be beneficial for your health do you know what I mean um, and, and help um yeah so yeah the AOK nutrition is what's on top of my head um and anyone in the fit clinic um they have really good uh, nutrition coaches there um Jenny O'Hare I know like uh, Jenny Hare you had on recently yeah yeah yeah, she's really really good she's training to be a nutritional therapist and I'd always bounce things off her like she's very very knowledgeable and I I believe in in that area so yeah like and then yourself and me as well (laughs) nice nice plug of course (laughs) I like that plug Uh, so check out uh, Mary Jo's uh, masterclass on the 30th is what I'm basically saying um (laughs) In relation to gut health, because you've spoken about it an awful lot, the importance of getting your microbiome fed. And a lot of people, like, we're told as kids uh, to get more veggies in, but mm-hmm. we don't do it. No. Because um, it's more processed food available. There's more easy, ready, easily yeah. ready things. But, like, you could easily get, like, the chia seeds or flax seeds or fruit on the go in the shop and whatever. Yeah. So there are options out there. It just yeah. seems to be the way the shops are organized. But if you walk into the shop, first thing you see is, fruit and veg 
I know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like people and they, when that excuse comes in, it's like well, the first thing you see when you walk in is the newspaper is probably on the left and then you have all the fruit and veg there. So there is an option there. Yeah. But in relation to kind of the, the good health side of things, what's the connection between like IBS and good health? And how can people manage it that a little bit more? And I know stress is going to be part of this. Oh, yeah. Do you mean the connection between uh, PCOS and IBS? Yeah, yeah. So like whenever I see any hormonal condition, I look at their gut health firstly. It's actually one of the first things I look at. Like if you're someone who's either got diarrhea or constipation, you're you're not digesting your food optimally. You're not absorbing and assimilating those nutrients. Then naturally you're going to have issues with your hormones. Then um, you're not, basically our hormones are eliminated through our stool. Like if you're constipated, you're going to have excess hormones in your body. So you're naturally again, going to have um, excess estrogen excess, which is then converted to excess, uh, more dangerous or more stronger forms of testosterone, like DHT. And that's the one that causes like the likes of the acne and the hair growth and impairs ovulation. So like you have to have regular bowel movements to have well-functioning hormones. So like when I see anyone who's got like constipation or hemorrhoids or, you know, not moving their bowels regularly, like it's the first thing I will look at. And I'll also like look at their stress levels because like most likely someone who's got like that is on the go all the time or has some stressful situation in their life. It doesn't prioritize eating times well, like they're just eating on the go, maybe just drinking like a smoothie on the go or not actually just eating regular meals. Uh, And like those are big factors that have a massive role in improper digestion. So I'd really start to encourage them to just focus on sitting down and eating three regular meals a day and devoting at least 10 minutes to that because that's not a lot but people actually struggle to do that who have like that constipation and um digestive issues and being more mindful with their eating like slowing down doing a bit more breath work and things like that can really help as well um yeah the, the connection really again it comes down to like if you've got just multifaceted approaches really like why it could again like i said they're it could be the fact that you're not absorbing your nutrients. So you're maybe low in micronutrients that support ovulation and support your thyroid, which is important for PCOS too. It could be that you have more inflammation in the body, which is a driver of PCOS and inflammation further drives insulin resistance. So like there's all of these possible reasons why the gut can affect um, or poor gut health or IBS can impact PCOS. Uh, Like you said, the gut brain connection as well is hugely linked. So like if you are really, really stressed and um, it can just drive the fire fight flight mode basically fight or flight mode so um if, if you're eating in that kind of mode your hormones like cortisol are raised and cortisol actually can suppress digestion because if we go back to like stress uh, a period of time when we're stressed we need our blood to be going to our brain and our limbs not to our digestive system yeah. so we have poor blood flow going there we need blood flow in order to have circulation and for us to be able to get all the nutrients and all the enzymes to actually break down our food and so if blood flow is not going there it's kind of staying stuck there and not really digesting properly and that's when you get then the likes of bloating and gas and all those horrible symptoms um, um, so really looking at like what kind of state of mind you're in most of the time we're obviously going to be stressed now and again but if you're 80 percent stressed during the week like you're just constantly like in it's kind of a like, like I said to you like you're probably in fight or flight mode with your book like you know you're not like it's not oh, like 100 there yeah but it, it, that doesn't mean you're like 
ah, I'm so stressed. Like, you know what I mean? It no, just, I can feel it. In my, I can feel yeah. it in my body. Like I was talking to you off air, like I'm struggling to get my regular meals in during yeah. the week. So as you said, and I'm trying to get them through the likes of shakes in the morning. So at yeah. least then I know I've probably got about seven, 800 calories in my body before yeah. lunch to get me through. And I'm trying to reduce the likes of caffeine mm-hmm. because if I'm anxious already and I'm pouring more anxiety into my body and my stomach, yeah probably not going to be good for my gut health, but it's also going to have me wired to the absolute moon and make me more irritable, which no one really wants to be around. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I think people think when it comes to stress, they need to have like a big problem or something. Like a panic attack. Panic attack or like something, like they just, like something terrible has happened, a traumatic event. It can just simply be your day-to-day life, a very busy work schedule and just minding kids and all of that, that general day-to-day pressures can just, lead you into fight or flight mode you're just constantly on a little bit of alertness basically and that means your your hormones are a little bit just being pumping out constantly through the body and causing those kind of unpleasant um symptoms and as a result so really important you're looking after your gut health so slowing down a bit chewing your food more thoroughly making sure you make time for three regular meals including some fiber like you said like flax seeds soluble fibers like you know your carrots your oats your um, avocados uh sweet potatoes things like that they're really really great um for support and digestion um, and also they help eliminate the, the hormones out of your stool so they're really really important um, and fruit and veg in general are just great do you know what I mean so and then if you can tolerate like it depends on what, where you're coming from if you can tolerate legumes that's great you might not be at the stage where you can if you're coming from a really poor digestive state but you may be able to and that's great if you can because they're really good for fiber as well I think that's I think that's uh, amazing advice and it is like we're not immune to getting stressed like that's the big thing like I know we say to clients to kind of chill vibes but sometimes it's there's times where you need to push sometimes but if you're on the accelerator all the time yeah you're gonna pay for it eventually and i paid for it previously and yeah but i I also do think that that helps us as coaches like we're not like these saints that like never get stressed i'm definitely not a saint we're not like do you know what i mean like like i do sometimes feel like a bit of a frog and i'm saying chill don't be stressed when i'm like the biggest stressor ever do you know what i mean but like it also helps you understand where your clients are coming from and not to expect them to be 100 perfect because we're not like so it's just it, it helps you be a more empathetic compassionate realistic coach i guess or you know what i mean um because we are the same we're exactly the same exactly and i go and it brings back that element of human mm-hmm. and that it's you have to be able to chill out you have people around you that you probably hopefully want around you and leaning on those. Like if you're going through the fertility stuff, there's probably two of you involved in that plus your family. So you need to have that relationship there and communication stuff there because it'd be easy to go withdrawal. If you go withdrawal, you're probably adding more stress to your body rather than sharing the load. And I've never felt worse after sharing something that's going on emotionally. Yeah. Like the right people will want to support you. So like, it's just, and you have, you have those people around you. They may not come in. Maybe they, your partner may may not be able to share on their end, but they may be able to listen to you on the other end. And even if you even talk to your parents or your friends, because I guarantee somewhere else, someone on the line, they may not have said it to you, but if you're having a chat with your friend on the phone and they're talking, talking about like the fertility stuff, you've no idea what else, what someone else has struggled with. Yeah, so they yeah. may be able to say, well, this is what I tried. The, I went, reached out to this person or potentially look at this source or whatever it may be and kind of yeah. go down that way. But just know the support is there. And yeah. if you are struggling, go for the support. I'd always go for support. I, absolutely. I think like it's such an amazing 
thing to be able to have a baby. And like a lot of us just kind of presume it's just going to happen. You know what I mean? And then I also think people who do have it easy, that's amazing. But to also be mindful, I just don't presume everyone has it like that. And obviously they don't like, they're coming from a different point of view. But like, I I feel like we shouldn't ask these questions. Like, oh, when say someone's just got married, oh, when are you going to have a baby? Or like, are you planning? Those are really insensitive questions. They're saying, oh, you're ticking on. Do you think you should have a baby soon? Like they're quite insensitive questions, whether you've got issues or not. Do you know what I mean? These are personal question you don't don't put them on anyone else do you know what I mean so that's just something to be mindful of even if you don't have issues with getting pregnant to be careful with your language and don't presume everyone maybe even wants to have a baby do you know what I mean so um yeah that's just something to to bear in mind because I do I do notice that a lot like especially like as I'm getting to that age of like 30 now it's just like you know like oh the the talk the clock is ticking like and like it's just such a I can't stand it like just like don't it's such an insensitive thing to say I really do so I get to my age (laughs) but um yeah anyway that's just something I wanted to say (laughs) no I think it is an important thing to come across and to say because you don't know where that person you're talking to is at mentally or physically and also some sometimes it can't be the other person's pushing their own security about their stuff onto and that happens an awful lot unfortunately Absolutely. and yeah people are human they may say it but you ultimately don't have to latch on to it like if they called you a purple monkey dishwasher you'd be like what are you talking about but if someone brought up fertility or a weight or something like that and you latch on to it you need to kind of potentially reassess and sit down and say why is that irritating me yeah is my identity wrapped up in this Mm -hmm. am i a failure if i put on a certain amount of weight no am i a failure if i can't have kids no there are there are ways around it um there are other avenues uh, through the likes of IVF or adoption or whatever, maybe there are other options. Yeah. There are plenty of things going around. Te- science, technology is amazing. amazing yeah. So just know that there is yeah, support that's there. Very true. Very true. Uh, Mary Jo, when is your masterclass? The 30th of September. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> 30th of September at seven o'clock. Um, it's going to be a two hour long masterclass because I did one before and I crammed a lot of stuff into an hour and a half and it just went um, it just was I have a lot to give I guess on this topic um, so I am really as I see, probably guess I'm really passionate about it it's five things that can help you manage your PCOS five um, five things you need to know basically to make your PCOS more manageable it's not complicated stuff but it is a bit educationary um, it's educational sorry uh, so do bring a notepad and pencil you will need it and um, it will be um, most likely recorded I haven't decided if I'm going to do that or not yet but I probably will <laughs> but uh, yeah where can people sign up for that uh, through the link in my bio on MJ Nutrition on my Instagram profile. Okay. So I'm going to put that link into the show notes. So if you have PSOS or if you're a nutritionist or you're trying to educate yourself on women, hormone health and all that kind of stuff, I would highly recommend going over to, to kind of listen to MJ's podcast. Um, I would highly encourage to listen to the episode I did because it was awesome. Um, <laughs> and but it, like Mary Jo's had incredible guests recently. She had Brian Keane, Siobhan, um, she had Natalie on as well. Um, so there's loads of different people coming on to the podcast now for yourself which is super exciting to see but uh, Mary Jo thank you so much for for coming on and where can people follow you on Instagram yeah uh, at mj.nutrition underscore but if you put in MJ nutrition it comes up I think so just yeah MJ nutrition yeah yeah. Uh, so perfect so uh, Mary Jo thank you so much for for coming on and thank you for having me it was really great (laughs)